Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. We've got some more emails to get to at the end of this episode. And remember, you too can email us at popshieldpod at gmail.com. So let's not waste any time jumping into today's topic, The Beatles' Abbey Road. As I'm sure everyone knows, The Beatles' legendary swan song turned 50 last month, and like Sgt. Pepper's and the White Album before it, it was thus treated to a super deluxe edition featuring two discs of demos and outtakes, as well as a complete remix and remaster by producer Giles Martin. We're going to discuss the remix and, of course, the album as a whole, but instead of critiquing this obvious masterpiece or walking through the background story everybody's heard a million times, you know, the one about the band deciding to end their career on a high note after the miserable sessions for Let It Be, we thought it'd be fun to rank every song on Abbey Road and inevitably argue about it. And yes, we recognize that this is a stupid idea since the most (laughs) famous part of Abbey Road is the 60-minute medley that closes side two, but honestly... That might make this even more fun. Before we get into it, though, I think we should say a few words about our opinions on Abbey Road. I'm kind of wondering, like, is this anybody's favorite Beatles album? Do we all agree it's like a 10 out of 10? Uh, How long has it been since you returned to it? Do you listen to this often? What's the deal? Obviously, I think it's a 10 out of 10. Uh, You know, that's you're being a a little, you know, uh, if, if you don't if you don't believe that. Um, yeah, it's not my favorite Beatles record. Um, I, I return to it every now and then, you know, if I'm listening to the Beatles, I usually run through at least all of the, uh, you know, uh, later records. Um, yeah. but I don't listen to it as much as I, I used to, um, as a kid. Um, it's not my favorite. The white album is my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a close second. And I'd say over the years, it's probably been my favorite at, at different points, but oh, really, yeah. But you know, I, I don't think I've ever spent like so much time with just it. You know what I mean? Like the way we, we have this, these past two weeks and, um, it kind of solidified my, my thoughts on, on like Abbey Road and, and the white album. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a 10 out of 10 for sure, but, uh, not, not my favorite. Okay, well, I'll, I want to hear more about that a little later on. For me, it's, you know, I went through a, a huge phase where I'm, like, just listening to each Beatles album over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, and certainly had my Abbey Road period. But it, even back then, it was never, like, my favorite. It just, um, you know, we'll get to it, but it, it, it has, like, sort of a strange identity, which I hope we can kind of hash out. Like, I'm almost still, like, I don't fully know what to make of this record. But let's start with our number 17s. Dan. What is, in your opinion, the worst song on <laughs> Abbey Road? And maybe we should preface this with, like, I don't know if, if you guys feel this way, but I really like every single song here. So, you know, when we're being a little facetious, but if you got to pick, Dan, what's the worst song on Abbey Road? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, if anybody's listened to this podcast, they know how much I hate bonus tracks. So the original <laughs> bonus track, Her Majesty, wow. th- this invented the hidden track. Um, it's, it's not supposed to be there. It's like 20 seconds long. It's the easy pick for the worst track. Well, I wonder if you're on the same page with that, Darren. You know, I am, but I, I don't, Good. I don't hate it. It, it, it's just, you know, it's just really short. And I do want to mention, like, you know, on this super deluxe, there's like a version called the long one that actually puts Her Majesty in its originally intended spot. And boy, right. am I so glad that they, that somebody oh, was like, yeah, this is not not working. Because how can you go from like what it, I I can't remember. Um, I think it's like right after Mean Mr. Mustard. It ends. is. Yes. 
then you just you know so like you have a couple of songs where the whole band is playing you've got all this stuff happening and then you just drop to yeah, Paul and screeching halt right and then you jump right back up to poly polythene pam like it just i wonder if that's work. just because we're so used to the way it is though I you mean, know but yeah maybe but like just i was the trying way, to think like of the, that but i agree yeah, i agree with you the momentum it, it, just like derails stops, it yeah. you know yeah it does feel that way it's hard to hard to know if it's just because we've heard it as it ended up a million times but i mean i guess we should clarify if anybody doesn't know it basically was supposed to be there just snipped out right out of the tape um but because the engineers had always been told not to delete anything that the beatles recorded it was sort of like slotted at the end and then when they were listening back to this medley they found that after like a what 14 second pause her majesty just started because it had just been cut and set there and they kind of liked the way that it just sort of snuck in and of course now we all know about hidden tracks and bonus tracks but i guess that hadn't really been a thing at the time uh but yeah just a little acoustic ditty by paul mccartney and i think i want to save my thoughts because possibly controversially i've, I've saved that for a slightly later oh spot in the God. list watch, watch that watch that be it. number one watch it be number one <laughs> yeah, yeah. <God>. okay so <laughs> both your number 17 is her majesty my number 17 is octopus's garden is that kind of in anywhere around here for you guys yeah it, it's it's in it's in the bottom uh it's in the bottom chunk for me for sure <laughs> no no i'm not even gonna talk about it it's it's so oh, far wow. it's so far away. Wow. <laughs> i mean Ringo for me hater. it's yeah it's it's a ringo track and it's kind of interesting because something I, I think i'll bring up a lot is that this album is like the songwriting is very very sophisticated i find and this is almost like the simplest little song uh, maybe because Ringo wrote it, and yet it's really elevated <laughs> by the these guitar lines. Like there's sort of a finger picking melody, like lead melody over the whole thing that makes it just feel like much much grander and much more intricate and interesting than it almost really is. I don't hate the song at all, but another issue I have is that it's so silly. You know what I mean, Dan? It's like yeah, it's. My, my biggest problem with it is it's just yellow submarine part two you know it is, it's it it's is. basically the same like subject matter even the underwater sounds yeah in, exactly you know? like it's just like <laughs> if yellow submarine didn't exist i think maybe i'd like this more but even i'm not a huge yellow submarine fan either but yeah i mean it's just it's just a little silly in a record um that only has one other silly song that we'll talk about soon <laughs> okay okay yeah and you know it's it's I got to say, I think it's it's very interesting. It's very sing-alongable, but, um, you know, just so silly uh, that, and maybe we'll get to this, but it, it almost feels out of place, but then again, maybe not. Okay, so that's all of our 17s. Dan, what is your number 16 song on Abbey Road? Yeah, number 16 for me is The End. I don't wow. like Wow. I don't like guitar solos. Stunning. It's oh, essentially three guitar solos and then a drum solo. I don't... I. I I'm a drummer myself, but I do not like drum solos. Uh, I don't want to hear any <laughs> solos outside of jazz, basically. Jesus. I mean, it, it's a good song. Again, every song is a good song. I don't want fucking emails. Um, but it's just, you know, this one, it's a little boring. I mean, I like the whole boring. Ending, the you know, final the, message from the Beatles. <laughs> like, that's, that's cool. But it's not even because fucking Her Majesty's after it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> true, true. I, I can't, I mean, I can't talk about this yet. Yeah, for me, that's that's so far later that we we, we can't oh, talk man. about it yet. Um, so we'll, we'll return to that one. Darren, what is your number 16 song? Number 16 for me is Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Okay. okay good. All yeah, right. That, I, mean, that's... I mean, is this close 
to where you guys yeah, have it? Yeah, let's okay. do it. Let's have the Maxwell yeah, conversation. Yeah, that's, that's my number 15, my next one, so, yeah. I mean, the song is, it's it's fine. I mean, it's it's an okay song, but it is, you know, after having to, like, kind of listen to it over and over again, I just kind of get sick of it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, it's not like, not, none of these songs are terrible, we've already talked about that, but this is just, compared to the other songs that are on the first half of this record, it kind of just pales in comparison, it's kind of just... You know, yeah. I mean, I I completely agree. Like I said, it's my it's my fifteen. Uh, I I wrote down some quotes from from band members about it. Uh, Ringo said it was quote it was the worst track we ever had to record. Uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, John um called it granny music. He said it was more of yeah. Paul's granny music. Uh, it's a it's an apt description, and I always think of it in that sense where it's like it's in that Paul genre, which I really love honestly of like these hokey granny music type songs like martha my dear when i'm 64 and yet i think it's almost like the worst one of those that he ever did at least in this classic stretch it's in my opinion it's like a it's an okay song i think it's actually really fun to sing along to um like almost every song he wrote but it's a case of maybe you guys agree where like the arrangement the orca you know the the uh instrumentation is like kind of elevating a somewhat forgettable song mm-hmm. into something sort of interesting so it's got like a very prominent use of the moog synthesizer which is kind of like crazy for some reason when you hear it um of course the hammer sounds those like harmonies that make me think of like an old ray charles record like silver hammer you know or like a christmas <laughs> special um or something like that um it's got like this hokey th- throwback feel that paul is so fond of sort of forgettable but the instrumentation feels so forward-looking in an interesting way you know does it feel long to you though like even though it's only like three and a half minutes like i feel like there's like one verse too many you know what Mm. i mean like it just it just so i don't know it just so quickly comes back to um that last that last verse which i you know i think paul is always and he talks about this i think somewhere in the um I don't know, somewhere in the uh, one of the demo tracks, he's talking about, like, yeah, you don't want to give away you put your best bits in the beginning, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Rob, he, yeah, he saves, yeah. <laughs> to, like, little changes or alterations for the end, but it doesn't really work here. Like, I'm already, like, kind of over the song by the time he reaches, you know, silver, which is a cool little thing, <laughs> but it's like, I'm already done. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. And another reason that song is towards the bottom, John, not even on it at all, so okay okay yeah Yeah. let's get used to this where dan just shits on paul (laughs) because he's not john lennon um okay Uh, so that was your number 16 darren um my number 16 was carry that weight how do we feel about that okay yeah that's that's my uh it's coming up for me yeah yeah you know it's, it's, it's it's there yeah it's a weird one because it's kind of awesome, and again, this is where this is where we get into trouble because it's it really shouldn't be its own song. You know, exactly. it's kind of like the second exactly. half exactly. of Golden Slumbers. But if we're just evaluating what we've got here in this minute and you know thirty six seconds, it's basically a little chant. You know, boy, you're going to carry that weight, and then you never give me your money. You know, comes back, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. And so within the album it's really fun to kind of like return you know we're like sort of coming to the end of this medley this grand medley here and it's an absolute delight to hear those melodies like come back so effortlessly especially when you get into like the little tease of the you know like 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven part, you know, mm-hmm. right at the end there. Um, it's a delight, but it's just like, how do you call this a, a great song on its own? You know yeah, I mean? it just, I mean, it's like, it, it's, it's weird to say, because it is like one of my favorite like moments of the yeah, medley. Yes, but yes. if you just put this song on, yeah, it's like not in, out of context, it loses that greatness. Right, because both, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Both it, at the beginning it, and at the end, like, you're missing golden slumbers and then the yeah exactly the exactly it, you know. you're it, it, it's just like like this song uh shows like why this is such a stupid idea <laughs> right, honestly right, right. Like, <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely i um, do i okay. do want to say like and we'll talk about this again and again i'm sure but like the orchestration that george martin brings to this album and yes, also yes, the song mm-hmm. i think is like you know among the best that he had ever done for the beatles i think that's absolutely true it's just it just adds like a grandness. I mean, even something like Octopus's Garden, like I was talking about earlier, it, like a sort of simple song is just made to sound so sophisticated and sort of elegant, like in a way that the Beatles had never sounded before, and I guess would never sound again, technically. Um, and it, it has everything to do with the the kind of the horns and the strings and everything, um, especially on this track. Okay, so your number fifteen, Dan, was remind me Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Okay, so we hashed that out. Um, Darren, you're number 15. So number 15 for me in, for me is Polythene Pam. Okay. Okay. All right. A little later yeah. for me, but we, we can Yeah, a little later it. for me. Okay. So. So why? Yeah. I mean, again, kind of similar to Carry That Weight, it sort of exists in between, you know, me and Mr. Mustard and she came in through the bathroom window, right? And right. again, thinking about it just as like a standalone song. I don't know. I think, honestly, some of this comes from just being informed or reading about, like, Lennon talking about some of these songs. And even this one in particular, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, he called it, like, a throwaway or, like, which is sort of, like, you know, just not giving his best effort, right? And so I think that's just sort of always come to mind. Obviously, when you're listening in context of the the medley, it goes right by. It's a minute long. It's fine. It's a little little ditty. But, you know, singling it out on its own, it just doesn't really seem all that interesting to me and i mean lennon obviously you know has some really great moments on this album this to me is just not one of them yeah you know to me i think i actually disagree that this is one of these like little minute bits here that actually does have a lot of merit on its own surprisingly um because it's like it's really quite strange i think for the beatles where it reminds me of like early uh the who you know, or like the kinks or something like that. I mean, early in respect to us, I guess that would have been happening, uh, you know, like almost <laughs> around the same time. But yeah, um, but it's like, it's got this kind of like mod rock, like power chord vibe, like mm-hmm. almost a, almost punk, almost glam, you know? Um, I can kind of imagine like Mark Bolin or even like a Ziggy Stardust era Bowie doing this song, you know, with like the, bah, 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 da, 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 you know, and, it's just got this awesome solo with him. I don't even know what he's saying, but he just starts sort of like shouting at the end a little bit and everything. Um, I it, it almost has to be connected to like Mean Mr. Mustard to make sense, but it's kind of a badass like punk rock tune. You know what I mean, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I I won't give away my number yet, but I did, I did put this higher up. And, and basically the medley is, is so hard to break apart, you know, as we've said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think like Polythene Pam... I mean, it works so much better, like, with Mean Mr. Mustard, but it does, like, sort of, like, stand on its own, like, kind of, uh, in a way that a lot of the songs, you know, in this medley do not. Um, 
So I, I, I yeah, I, I like it more than uh, than than you do, Darren. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I just yeah. think like it. The song is it like we talked about. It's like a minute long, but really, it's only like thirty or forty seconds of the dan dan dan, and then you have kind of like a a long little outro of a solo. You know what I mean? To me, it just I like that cool solo yeah. though. It's pretty ripping solo. Yeah, I like that outro. It's like pretty. Uh, it's pretty crazy. All of a sudden, Dan likes guitar solos when yeah. John Lennon well, is the only one playing. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say he only likes Lennon's solo. Yeah, I like end. about one third of the <laughs> soloing on the end. If I knew okay. which one was which, I would. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my number fifteen is Golden Slumbers. How do we feel about that? Uh, yeah, my, I mean, that's, that's close for, for me. It, it's coming up. Yeah, somewhat close. Not, not super close, but yeah, we can talk about it. It's another one of those, you know, it almost doesn't stand on its own. Like we were saying, it's gotta, it's gotta sort of go into carry that way. I always find that it's a little bit of a downer when you like, you know, sort of leave the rush of the last couple songs, like Mean Mr. Mustard, Polythene Pam, and she came in through the bathroom window, just slap, you know, back to back to back. and then it kind of stops and then you know you hear like uh you know mccartney's like in ballad mode you know with these little you know it always like kind of i'm always just kind of like oh okay all right i forgot but then it actually kicks up pretty quickly (laughs) um the orchestration comes back in a big way which is something sort of sort of interesting about that little middle stretch that we've sort of been talking about with polythene pam which is not so grand and lush like the rest of the album and so it's kind of fun to have that come back with golden slumbers um it blows up in a nice way, like I said, and you almost get like, you know, sometimes McCartney can really, uh, if it was like a television show, you'd really be like, that guy is really over overacting right now. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Vocally, like he does. A, he does a lot of that on this track. But, you know, what do you guys think of it? Yeah, that's why. I mean, it's it's one of my lower rated songs of the medley. And, and it's that overacting of the vocals is is a big reason why. It's just, uh-huh. yeah, it's it, it's like a little... I don't want to say corny because that implies like that I don't like the song and I do, right. but you know, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's a little corny and yeah, it sort of kills that mood. I mean, she came in through the bathroom window, Polly Pam, mean, mean Mr. Mustard, all ass kicking. And then, you know, Oh, you know, we're back to slow and stuff. It works nice, but it's, it's not one of the best in the, in the medley. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of always considered it like, the second part of the medley you know what i mean like we come to a a bit of a pause and then start the yeah the next yeah. You know, the last r- run or whatever and i think that it you know it, it it obviously goes really well in terms of like its place in the medley and then like with carry that way and then the way it ends with the end and like the orchestration coming in um you know i, I don't know i feel like it fits really well i mean i like it a lot i had it a little bit higher on my list but Okay, well, you could save the number, but I, I did want to ask you guys, and maybe it's something we can return to, but, like, what do you think about the decision to kind of, I always find it weird that the, it's always like people say, side two of Abbey Road is like a continuous medley, and actually, it doesn't start until, like, a couple songs into side two, if we're going to be technical about it, and the medley, like, comes to a complete <laughs> right, stop, like, right. three or four different times, you know, and everything gets tied back together. You know, we returned, like we said, to the sounds of you never give me your money and everything. But I mean, do you think that like is, is the whole medley thing a little overstated or is it like was it smart to not try to force everything to go perfectly into everything else? I think it's smart not to force it too much because I mean, it clearly like plays together. It clearly like 
seems like one sort of like piece of music uh but maybe not like one song you know like like it sort of feels like movements like like darren said like golden slumbers is sort of like the the next part of it you know it's like sort of starting a, another movement of a yeah you know, of the same so you know sort of like a godspeed kind of thing or something but um yeah i mean and maybe this is because like you know most people today like were brought up with this being on cd or streaming or whatever so like maybe they just kind of think that the end of the record is of the first sight is because you know like i because yeah right, right, you're right because right. it is like not the whole other side you know it is weird that people say that yeah i mean i think that uh it's probably for the best that they didn't try to you know force it because i mean there's definitely some sections of the medley where you can clearly tell they shaped the end of the song such yeah, as like the end of Poly- polythene pam the way it kind of like um you know you can hear yeah, the notes going down like down, goes down, down reach, yeah, yeah you know she came in through the bathroom and it works really well but to try and do that for every one of those songs i just don't think like how do you get yeah. from you know window to golden slumbers like i just don't think yeah it would really get over the top, yeah. I think. Um, really would hurt it. You know, and I, you know, we'll get to this, but I think about something like You Never Give Me Your Money, which really just ends with like a weird sound, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and then that exactly. goes into sunking. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's like a Godspeed transition, like when you can't think of how to <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Like, get there musically. Like, can we just play a sound? So it's still a <laughs> um, okay, Dan, what is your number 14? Yeah, my number 14, we already talked about uh, Octopus's Garden. Okay, all right. Anything to add? No, just, you know, same stuff. A little childish. You know, not not the you know, Yellow Submarine Part 2. Not the yeah. greatest. Okay, what about you, Darren? What's your number 14? Uh, we talked about it. It's Carry That Weight. Okay. Yep. Nothing to add there? No. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving right along. My number 14 is Mean Mr. Mustard. Um, to me, it's like... It's awesome. I love it. I I cannot help but sing it. I love like the harmony when it comes in on that second verse, you know, um, just irresistible. But there's just not a lot to like kind of work with here. It's almost like the least developed song. You know, again, the, the futility of what we're trying to do here, break it up song by song. But it's like the least substance in a track here, I feel. Do you guys agree with that at all? Uh, I I disagree. It's coming a little later for me. Can you imagine? (laughs) I just couldn't imagine that. (laughs) It feels like, like you were saying, Darren, like it's almost like Mean Mr. Mustard is itself one of those functional transition things, you know, like going down from chord to chord. It's almost like a one minute song that's sort of meant to get us into like Polythene Pam and she came in through the bathroom window. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, sort of. I, I honestly like the song more than polythene pam quite a bit actually and one of the Mm. things i was going to mention and i'll probably come back to it a few times is i really love paul's bass on this uh on this track yeah Um, Mm -hmm. you know i i don't think he gets enough credit for the bass that he plays and actually this album in particular he has a lot of great like bass moments right yeah um and i love that and then i you know I'm I'm a sucker for any time that like Paul and John are gonna like sing together. You know what I mean? And okay. it just doesn't happen that often in these later Beatle records. And so yeah. this one is kind of like extra special because of that to me. Okay. Yeah, and you know, and the other thing I wanted to ask, which I brought up sort of earlier, is like, you know, do you find it a little weird or does it work just fine for you that, you know, we get this little stretch and it's really just here, like me and Mr. Mustard, Polythene Pam, and she came in through the bathroom window that are not really ornate or like there's no creative arrangement really they sound like white album tracks and i guess they were all kind of like written during the white album anyway but like very rough you know just very like 
there's a bass and there's a guitar and there's drums and yeah like sounds live almost yeah yeah there sounds like a demo almost and it's you know it's strange right that like in the midst of this super orchestrated like elegant album this little stretch do you find that standing out yeah, but I think it works, you know, because you, you've got all this like uh, ornate stuff, you know, surrounding it. And then you just like they remind you that like, you know, they sort of started as like this rock band and, and everything. And, uh. and but then, you know, they kick it back with Golden Slippers. I think I think the, the little stretch of like uh, ornateness being being gone for a second is I think it works. And I think it's nice. Like I, I, I like going going back to the roots for a minute, you know. Yeah, what do you think about that, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I think they were playing some of these songs also during, like, the Let It Be sessions, too, right? Right, so, also, also rough. Yeah, so, you know, and when you listen to the demos also, like, in the deluxe version, like, I was a little surprised at how many of the tracks was like, yeah, they're just live in a studio, all of right. them playing together. Um, and I think that's great. I mean, and I think that was sort of their the effort. I mean, that was the goal of Let It Be, and I think that still stayed alongside with you know abbey road in some ways um trying to play together as a band and i think that's it's a really cool you know three song mini medley even if you want you know what i mean yeah yeah and and honestly it's like props to george martin who you know just made the decision like not to do the orchestration thing on these yeah yeah he just sure he just realized you know let's take let's drop it out for a little while here um okay number 13 for you dan uh one we already talked about carry that weight wow okay um what's your number 13 darren uh we talked about this one golden slumbers um okay nothing really to add i mean i just again i think it's a great song as it is i think we've talked about how it sort of starts a second part of the medley um i mean it works for me so yeah, and and interesting also in light of what we were just talking about, how all that orchestration has dropped out, and then this is almost the most orchestrated moment on the entire album, and it's it's kind of like awesome how it, how it comes back in that way. Um, my number thirteen is Maxwell's Silver Hammer, also one we talked about. I don't think I have anything to add other than you know fuck haters like Dan Paul is <laughs> Paul is great. It's not his best moment, but it's still a, still a wonderful song. Um, Dan, what is your number twelve? My number 12, I don't think we mentioned this one yet, Sun King. Hey, it's my number 12 as well. Nice. Yeah, it's just, you know, again, in in this medley, it's good, but it really sort of just seems like it's it's kind of there to get us from You Never Give Me Your Money into like the Mean Mr. Mustard. Uh, you know, little section. Um, I like the I like the end part when he starts just like speaking, <laughs> sort of in Italian, sort of Spanish, in Spanish. Yeah. I think there's like a little Japanese. There's some like words he just made up. Like that part's fun. You know, that's like kind of classic John like uh, humor right. and stuff, which, which I enjoy. But but this song, especially on its own, you know, I would never like want to just listen to Sun King uh, wow. outside of the medley. I don't think. Um, you know, it, it, it's John's weakest here uh, on this record, I, oh I think, my. for sure. Is that uh, around here for you, Darren? <clears throat> Not really. I mean, it's somewhat close, but I actually, I would rather wait until okay. we get to Okay, well, let me uh, say my piece then, since I also have it at number 12. I mean, it's an interesting song. It almost sounds like a li- like close to a ripoff of Fleetwood Mac's Albatross. It, um, you know what? That's hilarious you say that because my wife and I, right right before we recorded, uh, we were like listening to Abbey Road and we, you know, I was telling her what we were going to say on the podcast and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like reading, like Spotify has like genius stories now. And oh. the genius story for Sun King says that John and George like uh, 
either purposely ripped off or like accidentally ripped off albatross by fleetwood mac oh, wow it really oh, says okay. it. yeah really calling them out um it also really reminds me of like the velvet underground's pale blue eyes like there's kind of like a yeah, similar vibe there um and so it, it's cool maybe not like the most inventive thing here the harmonies are like stunning yes. honestly yes. um and this is another thing that i think we'll talk about a lot is how good this album is at sort of calling back things that have happened so we get like obvious cases like in carry that way where the melodies of you never give me your money come back but like sun king almost feels like a the bright side of the coin that is because you know like right. i've always thought of it in that way it's it's the same harmony style but like in a much sunnier uh way and um you know and it, it, it's cool in that sense but the other thing i want to i want to ask is like to me, this is like this song gets at the heart of the like essential tension of this album, um, which is that it feels like this grand conceptual thing, and yet there's so much like kind of half-assed dicking around. Like you brought it up, Darren, where you said, you know, John sort of thought of Polythene Pam as like a throwaway, you know, and to me, to sort of disagree with you, Dan, it's like when he just starts speaking in like Italian Spanish gibberish at the end. I'm like, why are you ruining like a lovely song <laughs> with this silly shit? You know what I mean? I, I mean, it is silly. Like, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I just, you know, I, I enjoy like the Beatles have always sort of had like a little bit of humor and a lot of it comes from John and like it's this sort of humor. Yeah, the so trolling I, with like who's the walrus and all that. Yeah, thing. exactly. You know, it's sort of a, a who, uh, you know, walrus and all that kind of kind of a joke. And it's funny. I mean, we've got other silly things here. I mean octopus's garden maxwell yeah. silverhammer i don't think it's I- any more silly than any of that stuff um i think it's interesting because in the the demo take that's on this deluxe i know i keep coming back to this but um i i particularly remember john mentioning right before they started the take he says something like yeah this is not one that's gonna you know make us a lot of money or something like that and <laughs> he talks about how they have to take care of all the apple employees and stuff and then they just he launches right into the song. So I, I just I think that's interesting. Too. Well, well, like famously, John hated this idea of this medley. Yeah, uh, he did. Yeah, and and you know that's like the that's the weird the weird thing that I, I I think we definitely need to return to here. It's like you know the Beatles have this thing about them where it really invites like reading into it, and John yes. likes to make fun of people who are doing that a lot, <laughs> you know. But it's still kind of there. And so you, you you catch something like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Because, but like a brighter version of Because. And he's talking about Here Comes the Sun, which like we heard another song and said, Here Comes the Sun. You know, like, who is mm-hmm. the Sun King? Like, what is the weight? You know, um, <laughs> all this, who's Polythene Pam? Like his sister Pam, Mr. You know, Mr. Mustard, his sister was, with Pam, you know, that's his sister. You know, like, so you start like, you're like, oh, it's a puzzle. Like, this is amazing, you know? And then john's like no fuck you it's just silly gibberish italian and these are just throwaways <laughs> and it was convenient that i got to like use them up here you know it makes this album like kind of strange like is it a masterpiece or is it just like the greatest man in the world having some fun you know but we, we can return to that um yeah. okay as far as the number that we're on i have to admit i've forgotten i think it's your number 12 darren yes yeah so my okay. my number 12 is mean mr mustard which okay. we okay. talked about I mean, okay, nothing to add there. No, no, I think, you know, I I mentioned really loved the, uh, the baseline, you know, from the harmony. Yeah. yeah, And I, I I mean, I think it's better than Polythene Pam in terms of like songwriting and everything. I mean, it's, it's obviously pretty silly, but you know, it's, 
to me, it's always been one I've really loved, largely because of the instrumentation. Okay, all right. How about your number 11, Dan? Uh, that's Golden Slumbers, uh, which we already talked about. And yeah, nothing really to add. Um, you know, it's just sort of that, that second part of the medley. It, it sort of kills the momentum a tiny, tiny bit. We've, we've got Paul, you know, over singing. But it's still, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good song. Like, that, that's one... I, this is sort of the start of the songs that I don't mind, like outside of the medley. You know, like I, I would, I would, I would listen to that on its own. Okay, all right. Um, okay, so you're number eleven, Darren. I find it pretty interesting that we've spent so much time in the medley. It feels like. Um, yeah, because they, they, it's hard to, you know, it's argue hard to that break them up. Yeah, the best songs on the album. <laughs> yeah. Um, my number eleven though is not from the medley. It's Oh Darling. Okay. 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 I'm pretty pretty close to you there. I'm not close at all. Wow. Okay. Little Paul. Little Paul love there. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Shocking. Very interesting. Shocking. Okay. Or maybe he thought John sang that one. I I don't know. Yeah, because it's kind of his style. Well, John actually. Yeah, John actually said that he should have sang that song. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why'd you put it there, Darren? Um. I mean, I. You know, at this point, I feel like it's almost top ten. This is like. These are songs I just really enjoy and kind of had a harder time finding the right spot for it. But, um, you know, this is a great song. I mean, this is this is one of the best, you know, Paul songs on this record. Um, it's definitely like a callback to sort of like classic um, early Beatles where they were like sort of like screaming at the mic. You know what I mean? Like um, with a lot of that high energy. And I even remember right, like, right. You know, I've read that like Paul talked about like how hard it was for him to sing this where he if he had done it in like 1964, it would have been. A lot easier, yeah, he only you know. he only would do it once a day, like right yeah. in the morning when he. Well, came and you, in, if you yeah. listen to the demo take on here, it's like it's bad. Like it's not. Oh demo yeah, take is yeah, not it good. was. I'm really glad he pushed himself to sing it this way because it, yeah. It <laughs> and really would I be crazy to suggest that this might be this is like maybe a top five McCartney vocal performance? I would. This agree. is like yeah. absolutely I, yeah, I would agree. stunning. And. Yeah, and you know this is where it's working. This is like unwell, unlike Maxwell's Silver Hammer. It's got this th- throwback sound. I mean, like McCartney is obsessed with sort of playing with music of the past, which is so funny because it's like the music of like five years previously. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so that is strange. strange. Yeah, and yet it's like he's aware. The Beatles are aware that they are making it sound so old. You know, <laughs> and so like, you know, by the time of like Sergeant Pepper's already, they're like joking about you know like a song like when i'm 64 sort of or like this old timey music like how old doesn't it sound so old timey now that we've made like four (laughs) records you know and it's like there's something incredible about it but this song like just this is like kind of what you know john ends up doing a lot of actually on in his solo career is like making this old sound actually sound really reinvigorated like in a really serious way i think that's like extremely um impressive um, okay, we're on my number 11. That's Polythene Pam, which we talked plenty about. Dan, you're number 10. We're in the top 10 now. 10 song on Abbey Road. Polythene Pam. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Anything to add? Did you uh, save your thoughts there? Uh, no, I pretty much said what I, what I wanted to say. I mean, it's just a, a, a shit-kicking track. You know, yeah. it, it's got like a little proto-punk feel to it. I, uh-huh. I love that. You know, John gets into that in his solo career a little bit. And I, yes. I feel like this song, this song's like sort of a little bit of a hint uh, towards like Plastic Ono Band, uh, which I absolutely love. So that's about it. Okay. What's your number 10, Darren? Number 10 for me is Octopus's Garden. 
Okay. Uh, okay. Got it. How did it? Let me how come to the defense of poor Ringo high. here. Okay, the guy who okay. only has a handful of songs throughout the entire career of the Beatles. This yep. is clearly the best song. Like it's the no. best Ringo song. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess I could. Uh, I guess I. Could and I mean, now granted, like it's not just because of Ringo. I mean, he <laughs> is heavily being carried by the rest of the Beatles on this song, especially. And I want to like highlight. The harmonies, right? So, right, right, especially with the later Beatles. I mean, there are not a lot of like oohs and ahs. Yeah, that's the White right. Album and Let It Be. You know, what I mean, there's just not. It's just gone, and it all comes back largely on this album. And this song is a really good example of how well it works. And you know, it kind of adds that sophistication that you were talking about, Gabe. You know, I think this has yeah, a lot to yeah. do with like George Martin being allowed to like have more control over how they were doing things. Um, right. And it just, I don't know, it just feels so much more united. Like, they feel united as a group when they are harmonizing and, like, obviously playing a large role at ca- helping Ringo. You know, I mean, I'm sure Ringo wrote the lyrics. Obviously, they're very wacky. But, right, right. you know, the Beatles put in their effort. You know, everyone was putting in a lot of effort to, like, make this song a great one. And I think it, it succeeds. Yeah. And it's got... um you know, another thing that's really a defining feature of this album, I think, is a lot of uh, lead guitar, which yeah. you don't get a lot of um, in the Beatles in general. And a lot of the tracks, like this one in particular, they have almost like George just playing lead, like, you know, over the whole thing. And it's just, you know, when it's like interweaving with the strings and everything, it just is like, it's really amazing. So it's, it is, it does feel like uh Ringo's simple song is being elevated a lot like Maxwell Silver Hammer like really being elevated mm-hmm. by the instrumentation another thing I want to suggest if I was going to play devil's advocate to myself I guess um <laughs> because I ranked this song last it's like there's a lot on this album that feels like a conscious like throwback to to early Beatles you know we talked about the kind of like rocking that they used to do the vocal you know stylings that they used to do um and would it be crazy to suggest that this is like, you know, this is like Psycho Beatles fan that John would make fun of, but like, <laughs> this is a deliberate evocation of Yellow Submarine, like in a, you know, meta, like self-conscious way, like... Uh, I <laughs> I don't know that, I mean, no no offense to the man, I, I love him, but I don't know if Ringo, uh, you know, had, had the songwriting yeah. uh chops he probably had to, like to, dozens to of like nautical songs yeah. that they just <laughs> wouldn't let him uh put on the album. well they mentioned with, they like, mentioned that a lot of the songs he would present were like songs that had already been written by other people like they were more or less just you know <laughs> yeah. copies you know what i mean so yeah, so he copied uh yellow submarine <laughs> yeah because yeah, he didn't write yellow submarine i don't want yeah, right, emails right. from anybody right <laughs> it was kind of them to give him a songwriting credit um on uh on this because it does feel like he got some help maybe from yeah george uh, yeah george <laughs> actually wrote a lot of that so. and, some help uh, from his friends maybe hey, hey oh, there you go i do remember being young and being like oh you know so, somebody else must have written this for him <laughs> and being like damn ringo has the songwriting credit it sounds so much better than any ringo song i've ever heard um, okay so that was your number 10 darren my number 10 go ahead and you know lay it on me her majesty um, oh, I forgot that you didn't put that last. I like. Wow. I I just assumed that we all had done that. Uh, you got to explain yourself there. Okay, so it's really a I think like stunningly gorgeous little ditty. You know, it's just so. It, it really gives me a lot of feels, as the young people say. You know, and so I'll say that to begin with. But another thing that I found myself sort of doing while I'm trying to rank these little like 
small songs here is like what the song means to this album as a whole. You know, I didn't, I, I wasn't like fully able to divorce that. And, you know, I'm probably, I'm probably stepping on my uh, analysis of the end a little bit here, but the end is so, it ends so grand and just like, it just feels like a major statement or something, you know, the like, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you makes thing. It's like, it just ends so with this like strings sort of rise up and everything. And it would almost be like too heavy, like too sappy in a way, if they didn't deflate it a little bit with this oddball little song, you know, like I just imagine listening to this on record where originally it wasn't listed on the track list and just being like, you know, wow, you know, the end it's over. And then all of a sudden you just hear this little, you know, this crash of like, you know, the end of whatever song you had heard earlier. And then it's just this little acoustic ditty and you're like, and it cuts off in the middle of a note and you're like, what the fuck was that? You know, like maybe the Beatles aren't over yet. You know, they got still got tricks (laughs) up their sleeve. I, I just feel like it's such a clever way to like, end, not really end the album, you know? I mean, I it, it, they didn't even do this on purpose. It's like literally, it's like literally an accident that this but song's once on there. Found it, so I think you've like, given them. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Is it I still guess, an accident if you like, drop something and you're like, oh, I like that it's there now. I'm gonna choose to leave it there. That's true. I guess like penicillin was discovered by accident. So, there you go. You know, <laughs> but I don't I mean, know. I think you're just feeding too much into it. You yeah, know, you're, you're overthinking it. Your all analysis bit. was about like six times longer than the song it itself. <laughs> it um, honestly was. <laughs> uh, Let me just say that the album would be, I think, substantially worse if it didn't end with Her Majesty. What? No. Yeah, I really believe that with my whole heart. I believe that with my whole heart. It would be like, let's say, it would be seven percent worse of an album. Seven (laughs) percent. You're giving twenty three seconds of this album seven percent. So this album would be a ninety three out of a hundred. No, no. I mean, like, because you know, a ten means like you know, it's somewhere. You know, who knows where? Ten just means we can't rank any higher. You know, it's just a masterpiece. But it's like it would still be a ten. Oh, it'd still be a ten. It'd just be less of a ten. Yeah, a little bit. That's less even more ridiculous. You know what I'm saying, right, Darren? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that. I feel a little bit better. You said substantially worse, and that you know, yeah, made my heart skip. There would be beat, some substance to that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, it definitely would. But I mean, if you imagine a world where you just never had heard Her Majesty, I, I don't think you would leave this album feeling like something was not there, like there was something was left. But unsaid. isn't it just? It's so fun that. It, this little surprise happens at the end I yeah i mean it, it is like a well-placed hidden track you know e- even if by accident because it, it takes about as long like if you have it on record you know if you're sitting on your couch listening and you think the end yeah. is over you by get up you get it'll up. probably yeah it'll probably hit before you make it to the record player and you're gonna be like oh what here we go yeah. we're, was we're starting up something you know yeah exactly over. so like that's neat <laughs> I, I you know i'll give it that but i i don't think like I think if it if it wasn't there, we wouldn't be like, man. If only there was something like, tw- you know, fourteen seconds after. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody would have thought of it. Actually, there would probably never be bonus tracks in the history of and music. The, if- and I would gladly trade uh, Her Majesty yeah. for no bonus tracks. <clears throat> well, I, I I think it's a masterpiece. Um, okay, we're on to our nines. What is your number nine, Dan? Uh, my number nine, Mean Mister Mustard, uh, which we talked about. Uh, basically, the same uh, reason for Polythene Pam. It's another like one of uh, you know John's like rocking kicking tracks i think it's a little better than polythene pam 
it's a little bit of a toss up, you know, you go either way with it. Um, I, I like the story in it. it. It's one of those, like, it, like sort of like a being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it, like this was ripped from like some story he read in the newspaper, uh, similar to, to that song. Um, and I think you guys gave me shit. Cause I, when we reviewed Sergeant Pepper like this, I, I gave, uh, uh, Mr. Kite a higher score than everybody else. Uh, right, but, right. but I like it. You know, that, that's, that's a John thing that I like this, like rip from the headline, like some weird, you know, headline yeah, kind of thing. He has some cool, like, uh, on this album, you know, stuff like come together or polythene Pam or Mr. Mustard, like these weird little surrealist stories. Or yeah, something exactly. That, yeah. Yeah. There's a surrealism about it that, that it's I, cool. that I enjoy. And, and again, like I, this is the section uh, where I think like the songs from this medley, uh, work okay by themselves. I think polythene Pam and mean Mr. Mustard, like should be tied together. They're, they're significantly better, but I think they work on their own a little bit. Okay, what's your number nine, Darren? Number nine for me is Sun King. Um, And I know you guys talked about it, but I wanted to add Uh, a little more. Um, Again, I'm going to go back to, you know, how I feel like this song, you know, represents uh, one of my favorite parts of this album. And that's like, you know, the tightness, the the illusion maybe that like they are working together so well. um, Right. Largely because of the harmonies, you know, I, I, I keep calling back to like the White Album, Let It Be. like. You know, you can you can almost like hear the tension um, and the the you know the separation between them because the songs are so like different from one another. Like they're not necessarily like vocally appearing on everybody on each other's songs, but here it's like totally different. And my my mind when I always thought about Abbey Road, it felt like they came back together finally and were like, yeah, let's do this together. You know, John has a song, Sun King you know what, Paul's like, it would be really great if we added some of this, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's a collaboration here. Okay. Um, and it, it's all over this album, but Sun King is one of my favorite moments because I, oh, and I also love like when the Beatles kind of just try something different, like just sort of deviate just a little bit from, you know, whatever it is that is like the Beatles sound, you know what I mean? So this is like, you know, very slow, very yeah. like mellow, you know, super woozy ambient yeah Yeah. like it's it's just you know there's really not a whole lot else like it in their catalog so it's it's always been a favorite okay i I understand that and i did want to mention actually that you know when he says something like uh, there's like a chord change and he says like everybody's laughing you know um there's something like it just feels like you're entering the gates of heaven or something there's just something so serene and then he's got a fuck it all up with his stupid italian (laughs) anyway (laughs) (laughs) okay uh number my number nine. Oh, darling, which we talked plenty about. Dan, what is your number eight? Uh, my number eight, you never give me your money, which I don't think we've talked about yet. No, uh, we have no. not. It's later yeah, for me. It's, this close, is, it's close for me. Very close. And this is sort of like the, the centerpiece of the medley a little bit. Right, and, right. But in and of itself, it's sort of a medley. You know, it, it's like three or four different parts. You know, you've, yes, got, you've got this, yes. this the intro, then you've got the... Um, you know, the out of college money spent, you know, sort of like Diddy thing that happens, right. which sounds completely different. Like boogie than, than the, yeah, thing. exactly. And then you've, you, you know, you got the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the, you yeah. know, thing. So there's like these three sort of distinct parts in it. I, I think because of those like parts, it works well on its own. And just sort of as its own uh, own medley. Um, and, you know, it's just an all around uh, good, good track. Yeah, so it's close for you, Derek? Yeah, it's, very, it's real close. So I, you know, this has always been a longtime favorite. You know, it's kind of weird because I, it's like, you know, it's a four-minute song. It almost doesn't feel like it's 
part of the medley, even though it's like called back in the medley. You know what I mean? Because it just feels like a complete yeah idea, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, it's one of my favorite. You know, like Paul songs, obviously. Um, Dan, you sort of mentioned how it has like little miniature, you know, sweets or moments in it, in it, in and of itself, which I think is like really, really cool. Again, you know, the band feels like they're all contributing in an interesting way here. More heart, you know, more of the oohs and ahs happening, um, throughout. Uh, I, I think that it, it really, you know, cause I think about, it starts with like a piano. So I, I think of other Paul songs that start with piano, like a let it be right. and, you know, Hey Jude or and like, stuff like uh, that. Golden slumbers, golden even. slumbers, all of that. And I just think that it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different because it just feels like a full band approach and not just necessarily like, Paul has this and you guys yeah. just kind of add a little something to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have it quite a bit later, but I'll, I'll just kind of give my thoughts now. Um, you know, it, it's, it's awesome. I think it's a, it's brilliant actually a stroke of brilliance to sort of begin the medley section with a song that is almost like the idea of a medley in miniature. It's like yeah. the whole, it's like side two in miniature we get. It's almost like the overture of an opera or something oh, yeah. before yeah. we then move into the whole thing. I think that's so smart. And God damn, can you imagine being Brian Wilson and like, Oh you yeah. Went fucking crazy trying to top Sergeant Peppers by making like a continuous medley. And then the Beatles drop a perfect continuous medley, you know, Side made two made of a album. throwaway tracks. Yeah, you would just want to fucking kill yourself. Oh my god, another L for Brian Wilson. That's great. That is. Great. <laughs> but but I, I just think it's like it's just amazing. It reminds me of like um, happiness is a warm gun a little bit with the medley approach there, yeah. and it changes so much a lot like that song into like you know this piano ballad. Right, I mean just smooth into a uh, boogie woogie like piano thing like. Eventually into, and this is what I think you're kind of getting at, um, Darren, is like this collaborative vibe. I I sort of read that um, for different components of this, I think you can really hear it, that McCartney was sort of consciously trying to kind of like evoke the bluesy vibe of I Want You, She's So Heavy, and a little bit of like the orchestration, like sort of um, looping um sort of like finger picked guitar vibe of here comes the sun in different places like he really wanted this to feel like it's tied to all different parts of the album you know we talked about this with like olivia tremor control it's cool when you have like a song that sort of calls back to all different it's like got its branches running through the whole album i think he was really deliberately trying to do that and that does make it feel like more than just a paul song it makes it feel like really the centerpiece of this record and something sort of collaborative or like inspired by his bandmates which wasn't happening a whole lot um at this point um okay now i have no idea what number we're on uh that you are on number eight number eight yep okay who's number eight darren's okay darren what is your number eight number eight for me is the end okay so high god i've got it even (laughs) higher well I love guitar solos. Um, oh, that's true. Duh. Yeah. Okay. Bit, you know, I think the drum solo is fine also. So I, I think that this, you know, what an incredible end. It's, it, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine that, you know, they necessarily like knew for sure at the time of recording that this would be like their last statement in music. You know right. I mean? Right. But, you know, obviously looking at it now, like it is like one of the grandest statements from, you know, a band that is more or less unparalleled right um it's so you know it's so far reaching like i even you know i film i film weddings and 
this year, uh, the father of the bride, you know, there's always like that speech and stuff. And he, he quotes this song. He quotes, quotes it in his speech. And it's just, you know, it's, there's so many quotable pedal lyrics, obviously out there. Any, you know, there's tons of them, but, um, the very end, right. You know, like, um, and in the end, the love you take take is is equal to the love you make. Yes. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's incredible. Am I the only one that I don't really understand what that means? I mean, yeah. it's not, it sounds like one of those things where it's like, you know, it makes a good uh, Facebook meme it's for, like a platitude for moms or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I just can't yeah. help but thinking it's like, that it's like a sexual thing when you say, like, the love you make. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, it just seems, yeah. it seems a little weird. I admit it was a little awkward at the wedding when you said that. <laughs> 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 it was probably just, I was the only one who was probably thinking that it just seemed strange, but. I think, I mean, I guess, like, if, if they truly were, like, putting it there as, like, we know this is our last recorded album, um, then maybe it's, like, purposely, like, sort of puzzling uh, in a way to... It to, might be, yeah. Or I've always kind of thought of it as, like, and, like, I think you'll like this, Dan, is, like, it's, like, if Paul McCartney was asked to sum up the Beatles, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah, would inevitably good. get it completely fucking wrong. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think John thought of the Beatles as, like, a project of spreading as much love around the world as possible. You know, like, in some songs he did, but in other songs, like, you know, it's totally dark and twisted and weird, you know, and, like, cynical, political, whatever. And, you know, so this is, like, this feels like Paul being, like, how could I sum up our it's, entire career? Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, it's, like, a little bit of some, like, hippy-dippy bullshit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've always, <laughs> yeah, always kind of, like, uh, found it a little odd, and yet, you know, musically, I agree that it, it just is such a triumphant ending of this album, a triumphant ending of the Beatles' career. It's, like... It, it it feels like the rocking, like I kind of said, of like this conscious throwback to early Beatles. You know, yeah. it's almost like, let's do it like we used to do. Well, and, and I, um, I like, again, they're trying something different. You know, they're throwing in, you know, very deliberate solos from Paul, from George, from John. And you can kind of hear their sounds and like the way that they, you know, carry yeah. on in their solo careers, you know, coming out in the song. And then, of course, they give Ringo a spot, too. Like, I think, you know, all of that is just makes the song itself interesting, you know? Yeah, I'll have a little bit more to say about it. It's a little bit uh, later for me, but we are on to my number eight, which is Here Comes the Sun. Is that somewhere around here for any of you guys? Uh, It's a little higher for me. A little higher for me, too. Okay. I, you know, I think that this is like a brilliant, like objectively perfect song. And yet, I don't know if it's just after all these years, I find it kind of annoying. You know, it's just like, it's sort of repetitive. And just like it's so sweet that it like hurts your tooth, your teeth, you know, like when you're eating like something like the sugariest cake or something. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know, I just get like when it's like that, like, sun, 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 here we come, sun, sun, sun. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Like, and I, I used to really love it. I think like, you know, it, 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 the whole, you know, little darling part is like just, it just sucks you in because it starts and I'm like, I don't want to listen to the song again. And then as soon as that gets, I'm like, all right, I'll listen to the end. And <laughs> it's just, it, it's like just a delightful, perfect song, but I just feel like it, it, it's aged strangely for me, uh, personally but i guess we'll hear a little bit more about it when we get to uh i i will say uh, i'll keep a criticism you know i'll keep my criticism separate but i like uh it is like a it is saccharin like overly so and it is like the kind of like a beatles song strangely you like hear the most nowadays Yes, yes um and so like it has a little bit of that overplayed quality but i tried to like 
I, I when making this list, I tried to like uh, take out things like that. You know, like it's my fault that I've listened to this album like eight yeah. million times. You know, so I, I tried to look past that. So it, I think I'm a little bit a like respect. I sort like, of agree with you. Yeah, I think of it a little bit like uh, like Yellow Submarine, where it's like I can't even listen to it anymore. Yeah, it's like so annoying. You know. Um, okay, but we'll, we'll return to that. We are on to our number seven. Yeah. Um, what is your number seven, Dan? Uh, mine is "She Came In Through the Bathroom Window." Uh, it's, it's okay. The, the, the last the last song of the medley in in my list. Um, and it's just like this is the one that that really does work on its own, you know. Like this sort of like could just be its own song. In fact, like yes. Joe Cocker covers it. Great at, version. I know, fucking at, love that on version. its own. Uh, I really love just like the intro, uh, like how uh, that like oh look out thing, and then you know it just like jumps into right. it. Like that, that's so right. cool and and great. And it, it's just you know this is this is a Paul rocker, which. You know, the, he, he does he, good rockers. He does good rockers, but they're not usually <laughs> better than than John rockers. But he, but here in the medley, I think I think I think Paul does come out on top in, in this medley um, section. And I, this is the best song of of that. And uh, it, it's a great song on its own, uh, regardless of the medley. And it's it's one of the only ones that that is like that. Is it somewhere around here for you, Darren? It's not. It's later. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's, it's actually my number six. So I'll just jump ahead with it. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly, like I struggled to write anything down other than like, this is a fucking heater. Like this song just <laughs> yeah. owns and it's just so cool how like, you know, it just, it just keeps going. Like it could almost go forever because when it kicks in, it just, you're, you're just in it, you know, like when it starts, it has like this great start stop thing. Actually, a lot of songs on Abbey Road do like the start stop yeah. trick, which is like, works almost every single time but here it's like you know you get that like oh yeah and you're like yeah fuck yeah let's do it again you know it's just i mean i just like love this love this song so much and yeah it is one of the ones in the medley that really stands on its own um number seven for you darren it's you never give me your money okay, okay. and i think that there i think we i think i talked about it pretty much enough um you know i really like what you mentioned gabe about it sort of acting as like an overture or like you know something yeah. that's like introducing the themes of the remaining portions of the album you know i almost imagine as the medley was coming together maybe this song was also getting altered to sort of like fit you know fit better and be a better introduction to it um so yeah i mean i it's an excellent excellent song okay well my number seven is uh, why do i feel like this is gonna upset you guys because okay it's not too nope. far uh, nope. away yep, from me far. okay all right i mean this is like the you know obviously the peak of beatles harmonies you know just in their entire career it is really just so sophisticated like the way that the you know the vocal lines are just like rising and falling and you know the like high like ee, you know it's just absolutely brilliant it's really there's a really cool thing on this album that we'll we'll be talking about i assume pretty soon here um i don't know what's up with lennon but he's on this like evil blues kick or something Mm -hmm. like there are several songs in this album where it's like this kind of dark spooky blues sound and we talked about how like i really appreciate how it gets a little like uh, it gets a little mention, sort of, or a little a little call out on uh, "You Never Give Me Your Money," like that kind of bluesy vibe. But this has like a, it's almost like a strange blues song, and yet the instrumentation is like unlike anything in the Beatles catalog, like an uh, electric harpsichord, sort of on its own with like 
Moog synthesizer comes in and the rest of it is just all harmony. And it's like, you know, I just love how you can sort of listen closely, especially on this remix, I think. Um, and just, you can hear like, oh, I hear, you know, like a lot of John coming through right there or like, oh, there's George, like on that little high note, like I totally heard him at that part. You know what I mean? Like it's something great about that. Yeah. This song has like a lot of like atmosphere to it, which is, which is something you don't get a lot in like pop music of, of this time period, you know? Um, but I think they do it like really well here. And, and yeah, you, you sort of mentioned the, the remaster. I, I, I don't know how much we want to talk about it, but like, I, I've heard this record so many times that like any change made to it is like, it, right. it, you might as well put, put that, you know, like DJ noise, you know, in it, it, it just like <sighs> blasts in my face. But this one, I, I, I felt like, um, did sort of like open up that atmosphere and like, you know, they just didn't have the technology to, to do it much better, you know, in, in, in the late sixties. But, you know, yeah. now I, I think that this song is like maybe the one that benefited the most, um, this whole remit the the remaster of the whole record it sort of just opens it up um, yeah which yeah. at times i thought was unnecessary but here i i thought it i thought it did work uh rather well yeah what do you think darren yeah i mean i pretty much agree with everything you're saying and you know it's relatively close to my list so i'll sort of mention it. again you know the harmonies here are just absolutely incredible you know having lennon you know paul and, and george like singing together like this is just really really special you know I, dan i don't know if you know a whole lot or whatever but I've, I've always been very interested in like who like originally originated this song or like whose idea this originated from because i actually um, i do know the story of that it's uh john um and yoko was they were at home and yoko was playing moonlight sonata on the piano and john liked it and told her to play the chords backwards and that's uh because he wrote because wow really interesting um, but you know, just to, to come up with the idea of like a three part harmony and have everybody right, involved right. in it again, like just so, so special, so interesting, you know, and to think that like maybe this album almost didn't happen because the Beatles were like falling apart, you know, it's just that, ex- that kind of like knowing the yeah. story of the Beatles just makes yeah. stuff like this that much more special. It makes a lot of this album like feel a lot more special. And I, you know, I do want to just sort of mention again that like i just love how this song feels like the flip side of sun king like they both are total atmosphere like you Mm -hmm. said dan and yet one is so like bright and one is so dark Mm -hmm. um okay so dan you're number six uh my number six uh is come together um wow yeah yeah that's that shocked you right little low i mean that's that's my number six too Oh, nice. Jesus. <laughs> I just, I mean, it's a great song. It's time to shit on John. Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. I, I, I really like the, I, I like the like surrealistic lyrics and everything. But it's, and maybe it's just like I, like I said before, I, you know, I tried to get out of like things being overplayed and everything. Right. But like, I feel like of, of the songs, you know, outside the medley and everything, which I'm in now in my list, it, like this one is just sort of the one that is like, I, I'm I'm not like ever excited to to listen to come together, uh, wow. you know, like I I don't know if it's just I've heard it too many times or what. I, I know it's shocking, uh, you know, this is considered like a, a really you know signature John song, but I don't know, it just it, it's not my favorite. Well, well, you know, keep in mind putting it at number six. I mean, this is still an amazing. Oh yeah, song. I mean, it's still I, a right. five, five. Yeah. What I'm about to say is why it's not like number one or two or three, right? So, 
you know, I, I feel just, like I kind of did this with Here Comes the Sun, where it, it was like my number eight, but I only said bad things about it. But <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, so go ahead. Yeah. yeah so I, I'm prefacing this by saying I, I love the song, but um, you know, this whole time we've been talking about the album in terms of like how united the the, the group feels and how it seems like people are contributing everywhere. You have all the harmonies, all the stuff come together is not really that. It just truly feels largely like a John Lennon song. You know what I mean? I think it sticks out as like, this is very much, you know, John Lennon. And then the rest of the album kind of picks up after that. Um, And that's not a bad thing at all, obviously. I mean, I I mean, did John write the baseline? I don't know that, but I, I, I it's like possibly the greatest baseline ever written in history. And if Paul wrote it, then this is like (laughs) as good of a collaboration as day in the life, I think. Yeah, and I mean, that would be pretty important because it's the driving force of the song. Um, I would agree yeah. with you on that. But even even so, <laughs> even so, you know, I just feel like it's largely a John song. And on this album where it feels like so many of the songs are the Beatles altogether. Okay. You know, I just, I just can't. I, when we get to the, you know, the songs after this, I'll sort of explain why this song is better than Come Together. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to save my thoughts because it's coming later on for me. Um, My number six is She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, which we talked about. Just absolute heater. I could listen to it over and over again. Now we're on our top five. Dan, what is your number five? Yeah, my number five is Because, uh, which we just talked about. But yeah, I mean, basically, I I love the atmosphere and everything of it. Um, And really, like, from the whole album's a 10 out of 10, but, but really, like, from here on, you know, you could almost switch everything around, and I and I wouldn't argue too much. You okay. know, with, with what I've got left, I feel I actually feel pretty solidified in the, my in my top five. Um, five for me is because, and you okay. know, we, we talked about okay. it, but you know, in direct comparison to come together, this is like a song where the whole group is like really right. highlighted. You, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so that's that's that. Okay, my number five is I Want You, She's So Heavy. Oh, wow. All right, we'll, wow. Th- we'll be waiting. We'll be <laughs> yeah, waiting. I don't uh, even know what to say right now. Oh, I, So here's my thing with this, album, with this song, is that it's, it's very brilliant and, like, very unique. And I, I said it earlier, but I think John is onto something, like, really significant, honestly, with this, like spooky blues vibe which like i wish that some he had made like an entire album of maybe you could argue he did but nothing like this like this big this grand yeah yeah it gets into like with that sort of looping riff you know that ends it for like the last three minutes as this like white noise thing just crests um it sounds like doom you know it sounds like the beginning of like stoner rock or something it's like before black sabbath or like you know anything like that i mean it's so heavy you know no pun intended but it's like just massive and just just it's it's raw it's like almost metal or something i think it's it's incredible and then you know if that wasn't enough for you we get like this weird like santana latin rock section which is like completely brilliant as well um it's just like this it's just bursting with new ideas i think and yet so why why you... is it number five again so how I don't know how you could say that this like fits on Abbey Road. I just, it's so jarringly like, 
I like how the like spooky blues thing is sort of coming in, in and out here and there, but this is not just a touch of it. This is like you're getting fucking walloped by it. I mean, it is it just feels like so out of place on this album. I don't really understand the idea of like just cutting it off in the middle as the, you know, side A ends. Like you know, it's just like it starts and I'm like, damn, all right, I guess we're doing this whole thing. You know, <laughs> it, it just interrupts the album and just takes it over completely. And then, you know, you're like, there's like this white noise, like, and then it's like, well, you're like, okay. Yeah, I know you had to flip the record out before, but even then you're like, okay, I guess we're back to Abbey Road. I don't know what the fuck that was. I will say the with the cut, you know how it just dropped. I always wish that that on record ended in a locked groove. It it's like the perfect yeah. song to to. I mean, because it it just is like so repetitive and everything. Oh, it would be so it would be so great if that was a, a locked groove uh, track. All right. Well, maybe you guys can mount your defenses when we. Oh, get I to will. Your, uh, I will <laughs> get to it a little later on. Um, we're on to your number four, Dan. Yeah, my number four. Here comes the sun. I mean. like we we talked about it's a little overly sweet and and everything it's definitely overplayed weirdly become like kind of the the most famous beatles song maybe um but i mean you just can't deny it's a it's like a great i mean it's it's like the the most famous ish beatles song for a reason you know and and it's also it's strange that it's a a, a george track that has like reached you know this level um and i mean just just when it comes down to it the, the, the all the negatives i think of it are because i've heard it so many times but like the reason i've heard it so many times is because it's so good you know um so yeah I, it's just I, I i it's hard to deny it's it's how great it is yeah you haven't talked about this one yet have you darren i haven't but i'm about to dan i think four five and six are the exact same for us uh, yeah before really that's crazy sun. yeah um you know the song is it's a masterpiece you know i i think that george harrison from pretty much like the time that they go to India in like 68 or whatever onward, um, even beyond into his, you know, solo career, he's just, he's just, he's just got it. You know what I mean? Like he can just pump Uh out an incredible, like catchy tune. And this song is a really great example of that. Like I just imagine him sitting there with a ukulele or something and just, Mm -hmm. it came, it comes together just so easily. It just feels so easy for him on this song. It doesn't seem like it's, you know, anyone is like putting he he doesn't feel like he's putting in like a whole lot of effort to try to compete with john or paul like this is like george harrison he's really coming to his own at this point right um yeah the song yeah. itself you know like to me it's like it's super special like uh, it, i i totally get it's like really sweet and and all that stuff i mean for me i have kids like this is a really great song to introduce the kids to the beatles like i i think right, maybe right. that's part of the reason why it's like mainstream popular you know what i mean um a lot of times in the morning i'm like feeding my daughter breakfast like i will throw this tune on because it's just a really great you know happy song you know what i mean and it's yeah yeah it's great for that so yeah yeah i mean it's an objectively perfect song but i just really feel almost like it's like stairway to heaven or something like i just be okay <laughs> if i never heard it again um okay number four for was that your number four dan yeah okay your number four darren that was my number four Number four. Okay, here we go. I'm starting to slip here. My number four is The End, which we talked about. I don't think I have much to add other than, you know, it's this is another one like Her Majesty, where I just feel like what it represents, like, makes it higher on this list. Because 
it really is like the end of the Beatles. I feel like, um, you know, I get that feeling like whenever I hear, um, well, I guess you have to have watched Sopranos to understand this, but like when I hear journeys, don't stop believing, you know, Oh yeah. I, I just, you know, it's like <laughs> not to like say anything that happens, but it's just like when that song is playing in the last scene of Sopranos, you're like, I love these people so much. I'm never going to see them again. This is the last <laughs> scene I'll ever see with Soprano. You You're going like, to make me cry. I know. And I feel that way every time I listen to the song. I'm like, God damn. You know, like this is the end of the Beatles. It's the last time I'll ever hear them together. And they're like really just together having fun. I think yeah. this is another thing that's like so interesting about this album is that in some respects, it, it feels like let's make a masterpiece. But on the other hand, like I was saying, it feels kind of like, let's just have some fun before we, you know, call it quits. And just the idea of trading guitar solos. I mean, that means nothing. It just means fun, you know? And that's what it sounds like here. So, and, and, you know, not to, no disrespect to Ringo, there's a drum solo as well, but it's, uh, <laughs> I just think what it represents is so fantastic. Um, okay. You're number three, Dan. Yeah. My number three. Oh, darling. Uh, you know, wow. I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of Paul shit talking and I'll say that a lot of it is because I find it really funny. I, 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 okay. Okay. You know, I, I know that Paul is great. It's just fun to, to, say that he sucks but okay. i don't actually believe <laughs> thank it. you for saying that yeah but oh darling i mean you know i was bitching about his over singing on golden slumbers but here this is this right. is like he's he's doing it well you know yeah. this is like i mean i think i think when one of you had it uh you know we mentioned that it, it, this is one of the best mccartney like vocal performances right, right. and i i completely agree with that i think it you know it, it, it this is just a a great song and yeah. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a guy who likes like just a well sung piano ballad, but you know this one, you know this one gets you gets gets it's the best really, of us. Yeah, it's not like necessarily well sung. It's just like you you have to like shout it along, you know, when he does yeah, the like, yeah. really shouty. There's part. just like I so mean, much like actual, you know, like emotion in it, you know. I know um, you just I know, it just it's great. grabs you. This needs to replace like a. Uh, Billy Joel's Piano Man as like the go-to white people yeah. have a sing-along song. <laughs> well, you know, maybe like, not, because then it would ruin it. Yeah, it would be annoying, but it's like every bar, this should just be, you know, played, and every all white people should sing it together like they love to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're number three, Darren. Wow. Uh, number three for me is She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. Okay, right. okay. okay. Yeah, really high up. Um, obviously the last of the medley for me, but my absolute favorite moment. Like, I just love... I put on Abbey Road to, like, get to this moment. You know what I mean? And yeah. my favorite part of it has to be, like, Paul's bass. I have talked about it again. I'm, I, like, the way he plays the bass, and it, it comes out really well in the second verse, right? Because the oohs and ahs are completely dropped out, and you can really just kind of hear him, like, just dancing all over the fretboard, right? And it, uh. it just it's just so, like, oh, my God. I, I cannot get over, like, how good of a bass player... And how much like his bass actually adds to so many of these songs. That's that, true. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about it again here in a little bit. But this song in particular, just really, it just it's just slapping, right? Is that that's the term it you is. guys like? To <laughs> yeah. Slap, right? it slaps, yeah, it slaps. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. And again, the oohs and ahs. You know, I'm I'm a little annoyed because I feel like in this new mix, the oohs and ahs are like turned down a bit in this song. Yeah, I went that back might to be the true, 09 yeah. version. It was like louder. I don't know, but um. Again, just just a fantastic song. So that I don't want to keep going. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a total heat check. It's just like, yeah, let's just put some throwaways in here and like, oh fuck, it's the best throwaway you've ever heard. Um, <laughs> okay, my number three. We talked plenty about it. You never give me your money. So Dan was your number two. 
Yeah, my number two, something. Um, you know, that's my number two as well. My number two thought, as well. Wow. You, you thought George? You know, like it, it's a shame that like George like hits his um his like songwriting stride uh so late. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. It, like it really is like a, a, a total shame. Um, because this is just like such a great song. You know, it, it's like i mean it stands up with with the best of of lennon mccartney um you know it's hard to overstate like how how excellent of a song this is yeah what do you think about it darren i mean it's another masterpiece from george harrison probably my favorite george harrison song period Uh um you know it's a really simple concept it's a love song right and the beatles by this point have so many love songs um you almost imagine what more can they say about it and then george Harrison right, comes right. along and just kind of blows your mind mm-hmm. away with something that is just as you say as you said uh dan stands up right next to lennon and mccartney's best yeah it's an absolutely i mean it, this song just like is abbey road to me because it is so like sophisticated is so lush you know it's like the string arrangements and everything with like these very sensual leads sort of going over it um it is like just the most sophisticated songwriting where like we're just so far beyond like the four chord, you know, pop song right at this point. Mm-hmm. Like this is just, you know, the way the changes, every change, it just feels like inevitable and yet surprising. You know, it's just, it's just such a, such a masterpiece. And, you know, it, it, unlike here comes the sun, I've heard this, you know, probably just as much. And I, I, I feel like I could never get tired of it ever. Um, okay. So we're on to our number once the best song on abbey road i guess we we can uh surmise what it is but dan what's your pick yeah i can surmise that darren and i have the same one if yeah, i did that right which yes, that honestly shocks me um uh, it's i want you she's so heavy i mean I, I i love it for basically a lot of the reasons that you bitched about it gabe um <laughs> you know it, it i mean this is the most dan song on the record you know yes, it's, yes. it's 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 like a swan song or something yeah exactly it's linen unleashed he's doing his his spooky blues shit you know this it, it sounds like you know doom he, he's creating you know almost doom. Yeah, I, yeah. I i like i wish i like knew how to play guitar really well because i just want to hear this song like through the the craziest distortion pet you know like a, a, right, a rat right. or something you want to hear sun cover this yeah song. yeah like i i just <laughs> i wish like he would have gone like a hundred percent uh you know just full into it um but i mean it's so good and i love this build up at the end you know like you just especially when you know about that cutoff you, you're just like when uh you know like you're so anxious like when's it gonna happen when's it <laughs> yeah you know it, it just like builds up so much like anxiety in you and uh yeah i love those like white noise sounds uh which i always thought was um like a space echo but um it's actually the the white noise generator on on uh george's moog um yeah. which is like really neat you know like that's a that's a neat thing to like think of to do you know it's it's like almost uh it's it's more impressive than just using the space echo because it's you know not what it, not what it's built for but um i mean this is just this is just like a fantastic song it, it's it's one of Lennon's best um I, I, without a doubt, you know, it's, it's the number one song on this record for me. That, that was okay. an easy choice. Let's hear Darren say why you love it. But then I want you both to explain to me why the fuck this song is on Abbey Road. All right. Right. So, okay. I mean, with everything that Dan said, I, you know, basically I totally agree with you. I'm going to point out another moment in the song that I absolutely love. And it's when the song like stops and the, she's so 
happens and that organ yep. just comes ripping yeah, right into yeah, the song. Yeah, right, I right, mean, right, oh right. my God, just totally gives me chills every time. It really comes through very well in this remaster, um, remix or whatever. Um, you know, it's just like an absolute like rocking song and the, the band is together on this. I know it's like very much a John song, but like obviously they're all like really participating. Yeah, they're in all this. present. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, again, Paul's, you know, bass just totally rocking and like carrying the song and, and driving it in such a like great way, especially during that sort of like Latin section, right? You know, where it's yeah, yeah. just totally instrumental. Um, again, Beatles trying something a little different here. There, it's a, it's a verse without any lyrics, but it's like it's so good. Like I, I absolutely love the sound of it. I, you know, you want to turn it up every time. You know, okay, but now, Gabe, why is it on Happy Road? I mean, I think we'll right. get into this maybe after we get through these lists, but like. Honestly, the first half of Abbey Road is sort of just all over the place. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of different songs. So, like, to me, it doesn't really feel like it's completely out of place. Now, if this was, like, on side two somewhere right before the medley or after or something (laughs) like that, I would be like, yeah, this is really weird. But in terms of the songs that come before it, you know, Octopus's Garden, Oh Darling, Here Comes the Sun, because, I mean, they're, you know, all of those songs don't really seem to link together. So I don't really see how this is, like, that far out of place you know i i completely agree with you you know like I, I think this is like one of the things that's like a little bit lost uh with not having records like split by sides uh you know anymore yeah, um, yeah. you know like this this completely belongs in the first side which is sort of just a mishmash of like songs you know like octopus's garden doesn't sound anything like come together or something uh, you know as much as i want you sounds like something you know um so it's fine but yes it it does like when you when you put it all together as you know most everybody listens to it nowadays it, it does seem like a little out of place especially like that that cut off then going right into like the sweetest melody you know for here comes the sun like really kind of doesn't work but like if you remember that you had to you know completely stop it w- you know wait a few seconds and then you're beginning again i think it works a lot better and i i, I don't think that this song is out of place at all uh, when you think of it split into sides right and it's like such a rush when that white noise is just kind of like rushing over Mm -hmm. you you know what i mean i mean you're just like exhausted by the end of that song you know what i mean you need a you need a second to like you know reset i mean i'm not usually running to the record player ready to flip it to see what happens next i'm like holy shit that was incredible what just happened to me and then when i'm ready you know okay now we got you know here comes the sun this is delightful it's exactly what i needed after that like <laughs> yeah sort of like it, it's a I palate took, cleanser right? exactly exactly yeah i mean i i guess i can agree with that I, I just feel like it overwhelms absolutely everything i just i just don't i can't imagine that like the rest of the beatles were like you know cool let's do this but you know john was like i'm doing it you know fuck you guys and it's just <laughs> like you know i'm just gonna loop this doomy blues riff for like four minutes at the end of this while white noise crescendos and it's just like when you think of abbey road you know you just think of like this vibe and i just always forget that this song is even on it I'm like oh yeah here we go we're doing this eight minute thing you know it's just it, i don't know i mean did, did I, guys, I agree that if did you listen to like the demo take that's on the deluxe version yeah. so like you know they, there's like mm-hmm. a lot of conversation right in the beginning and somebody comes in they're like yeah you guys think that you could like without affecting anything turn down a little bit cuz uh there's like they were getting like sound complaints or whatever. <laughs> John's just like, you know, who the hell's out out at this late at night? I guess it's it must be late at night. You know, I, I just love that like feeling and then he's like 
you know, my boys are ready, blah, blah, blah. And then they all jump into the song together. It just feels like a really fun jam uh, to be a part of, you know? Uh, imagine making a noise complaint uh, for the Beatles, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like ah, turn this fucking racket down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, let me just uh, get into my number one. And uh, I have a feeling we're going to go a little long here because we still got a lot we, we want to get to after this. But my number one, Come Together. Um, it's not one that I get sick of at all. I don't think that there's another like pop song ever that sounds like this song. It is the like weirdest sound because it's so minimal. It's just like this rolling bass line that everybody knows and these kind of like floating little keyboards, you know, and like a lot of toms on this album as yeah. a whole, mm-hmm. but you know, just the combination of the toms and the, you know, we're almost like in a like Joy Division song or something. And yet it's that's it's like that devil blues thing that that John has going on here. And then just the way like the song sort of explodes into like just one of the biggest, most memorable anthemic Beatles choruses of all time. And then without sounding odd at all, just slips right back into the most minimal, you know, and you've got like John delivering these these very memorable you know, these surrealist like lyrics that we talked about earlier um, that, you know, everybody loves to quote and knows without really even knowing what the fuck he's talking about, honestly. And, you know, it's cryptic. It's like Dylan-esque a little bit when I love, I love when he's doing that. And, and then it, it, it can kind of just like launch effortlessly into like these full blown rocking parts, you know, like the solos and everything. I just like that combination of like, it can just explode and then just kind of like shrink back into the most minimal thing you've ever heard. I just think, I, I really, I mean, I, I think for me, it's like it was the one song on my entire list that it like didn't change places at all in this uh, in this process. But let's see if we can kind of, you know, I wrote down a lot of questions here and stuff. A lot of the stuff we already got to, but just what? How did it go revisiting this album? You know, what 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 have we sort of uh, lost by talking about it song by song? What are your thoughts on Abbey Road as a whole after these two weeks? I mean, you know, this is this is a record that I, I could have done this this podcast w- without listening to it. You know, it, it's a uh-huh. record that I've heard so many times. I I like if I wanted to sit here for thirty five minutes, I could in my head just listen to this album. Um, so I mean, I enjoyed listening to it again because because I I love it. Um, I don't I don't feel like I really learned uh, much because because I don't think there's anything left uh, to, to learn. But I I do I do think that uh, bringing up the medley. Um, is a really like futile and sort of uh, you know, <laughs> a fun, but 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 ultimately a stupid yeah. thing to do. <laughs> How'd it go this week for you, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned at the top that uh, after listening to it like over and over and over again, um, it really sort of solidified my thoughts on Abbey Road versus like the White Album, like two albums that I've always sort of considered like the best um, of the Beatles. And it really sort of put it kind of firmly in a second, maybe even third place uh, behind Sgt. Pepper, largely because, and I mentioned this when we were talking about I Want You, like, I I guess I never really thought too much about how well the songs flowed together or did not right, flow together. Right. And it's really like a tale of two sides, right? Because, like, the first side, first half of the of the record, the non-medley portion, really feels like almost a continuation of, like, the White Album in some ways. Um, in that the songs are just sort of like very much like thematic in and of themselves. Like they don't necessarily talk to one another. The difference being that there seems to be a lot more, you know, sophistication, a lot more care and time taken. Everybody's like participating on a lot of those songs. So I think it gives off the illusion that like, this is a tight, you know, concise record. And I mean, I still feel like it is, but I guess 
when you have the second half where the songs are like really flowing together and it's kind of the thing that you think of when you think of Abbey Road, it makes the first half feel somewhat like weaker just in, in total. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You know, I found that this is almost like the perfect case of the, you know, sort of some being greater than the, the parts where yeah. It, it, there are really not that many like standalone masterpieces here, in my opinion, probably the least of any Beatles album. And yet it's like as a whole, this thing is just just incredible. And, you know, I, I had this like fun experience this week of um, you know, my girlfriend is from Slovakia and just has like very little exposure to a lot of this music. And I remember you know, quite a while ago, I made her listen to like the Beatles one. And like, you know, she's like hearing all these songs kind of for the first time. Um, and she, she would always say that like, love me do is her favorite, which is funny. Cause that means they peaked like on their first song and never, <laughs> yeah, never yeah. actually <laughs> topped it. Um, but you know, I just had this on a lot over the last two weeks and, you know, I would just catch her. Like she is humming even stuff like mean Mr. Mustard and stuff over, you know, over in, on her desk and stuff like that. And I just got to watch the process that is inevitable when you listen to this album of like every single little melody, you know, working its way into your brain and like never escaping, you know, she, I could just tell that she had like come to sort of love every little moment. Um, and I think that's how this album works. One question I did have though, is if the medley was one song, um, would it be your number one? Ah, oh, that's, oh man, that, that's tough. I, I don't, you have to say yes, you have to. I, uh, I think I, I think I would have to say yes to that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll say yes just to make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, it, it's like this is like a thing where I feel like the Beatles are really trying something new. Um, right. And and really, like you were saying, Darren, it's interesting to think about. Like maybe the White Album would sound something like this if they were like on better terms, but this felt like an effort to say, look, we're not all on the same page, like musically anymore, but let's see if we could like make it all come together. You know, no pun intended. Like, <laughs> let's see if we could make this thing lock together. And then it's like the white album might've ended up sounding like, you know, something that with orchestration and arrangement and playing together on the same track as a band and stuff like that. Maybe it would have all like sort of hung together the way this medley does. Um, you mentioned this, but another question I have, um is dan mentioned this like who wins this album i guess you just mentioned that you thought that uh paul kind of wins the medley but you know who's the winner of abbey road well we all three picked a john song as number one so but i think the choice let's is say clear. this is it possible to say that george won abbey road because he knocked out two indisputable classics like that are probably the you know like the the popular picks almost yeah on the album. i mean i I, you know, I'll pick John because I, you know, I would pick John no matter what. And, you know, right. make it the joke of all three of us. But but I think you're right. You know, uh, objectively, I think George does sort of win it here. You know, but by not being the main songwriter in the band, uh, you know, and then knocking out. I mean, yeah. I, I'm on my list. It was it was number two and number four were his, his right. two contributions. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just like amazing. And then not only is it like. You know, it's not even just like, oh, I'm giving him bonus points because he doesn't normally write great songs. It's like, uh, like I said, like Here Comes the Sun is like, one, if if you only know a few Beatles songs, that's one of them, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I agree, you know, kind of thinking about their entire catalog, there's not like, I, I don't think there's a Paul song on here that I would say, yeah, this is the best Paul song, or even right. this is I agree. the best 
John song. Maybe I want you would would be in the argument, but there's no denying the fact that like George Harrison's songs here are the best and compete are you know able to compete with you know even Lennon and McCartney songs from previous records. So I would you know in terms of the way you're framing it, Gabe, I would agree with you that like you know George would be the winner here. Okay, the other like big big question, which I maybe we spent enough time on, sort of, is you know returning this like what like what does Abbey Road mean? You know, I, I brought it up at the beginning. Like it's a strange album because. Like, on one hand, I think you have this idea of, like, let's make another masterpiece. Let's, like, you know, work really hard on making everything flow together, come together, like, whatever. And then on the other side, you have, like, what um, John said, which is, like, let's just throw together the shit that we haven't had a chance to use. And, like, those two spirits are constantly competing on the album in the sense of, like, you know, just it just feels like... Maxwell Silverhammer is so silly, you know, and just like not not really Paul attempting to write his greatest song or something like that. And you've got like John just kind of like knocking out Mean Mr. Mustard and Polythene Pam and stuff. And yet, like you kind of get what I'm saying. Like, is it is it just kind of a band at the peak of their powers, like having fun and throwing yeah. stuff out or what is it? I think I think that it doesn't really have a meaning, but mostly because like the band is like so disjointed by this part. You know, I mean, this record is like an attempt at like coming back together. But, you know, in the making of it, they had very different ideas. You know, Paul wanted Paul and I think George Martin wanted the like whole record to be like Sgt. Pepper to all flow as like one song and stuff. John right. thought it was stupid and basically like, uh, you know seceded that they they could have the the this one medley thing you know john wanted just him to have you know the one side completely and paul to have the other side completely you know almost as like a you know solo record kind yeah, of thing you yeah. know the um speaker box love below kind of thing <laughs> right, um, right. so i think like when when you just have like that many competing things you know that there can't there, there's not an overall meaning and and so i think like that that turns it into a sort of victory lap thing i don't i don't know if the victory lap was like consciously um the decision but i i I think that's like what it becomes yeah it's really tough to think about um you know being somebody who was so obsessed with the beatles and the story of the beatles it's so hard to like divorce all of that from like just simply trying to explain the meaning of you know Uh abbey road like what do they intend to do with this you know my understanding of like let it be is that you know, Paul really came in. He's like, come on, guys, let's go back to the, you know, the old days, blah, blah, blah. Let's do this live, <laughs> right. play together, yada, yada. And, you know, it, it, it flopped or well, to them, like it didn't work out as well as they had intended. And Abbey Road was more like, all right, let's like not try to like think too hard about this. Let's just try to work together, you know, as a band and, and approach every song, you know, from a from a full band's perspective. And, and everybody contribute something or try to contribute something to most of the songs. Um but, you know, ultimately, it just ends up sounding like, you know, three of the best songwriters, you know, working together and crafting something and not necessarily, you know, it's it, it's really hard to, to talk about like a theme that's running through something like Abbey Road. To me, it is very much like a, a victory lap. But one thing I wanted to kind of mention, like Gabe, you mentioned your girlfriend and that kind of got me thinking about how like my son has been hearing some of these songs. Um, and he'll, you know, I'll catch him like singing it to himself and uh, he'll ask me questions like, you know, why on because like, what are they, what are they saying on because like, it sounds like Spanish, but 
it also sounds like he said arigato like what is going on you know and i'm and i'm over here thinking like god i'm like obsessing over like the relationships between john paul and george right, and all these right. things and he's having a totally different experience but still being you know fascinated mm-hmm. more fascinated by you know these songs than he is by something else you know marshmallow or something like that right like it just kind of like took me by surprise that like something that i care so much about could also you know somebody else could care about it from a totally different angle and it sort of speaks to like i guess the beatles just being you know so wide yeah reaching and stuff but, yeah you know maybe ultimately I, that's just what they intended to do is just like you know let it let it be for everyone to enjoy and, and you know, for those be. who want to read into it great for those who don't whatever you know and i think like what you just said darren you know like your son who's young and is just hearing this for the first time um and stuff like that that's spe- you know when people say like the beatles uh you know they're overrated like what what you just said proves that that's wrong you know like what what other band like would you know when we did the doors like did that fascinate your son you know as much mm-hmm. as yeah, something not, like no, this you know <laughs> you know like i i just feel like nothing like grabs people um at like like the beatles uh do yeah there, there's definitely that element but I, you know i do think that like for me and for a lot of you know hardcore Beatles fans it's like the fun is the mythology and For sure you know Abbey Road's place in the mythology is always like this you know swan song it's always like this really conscious like let's end on a high note kind of thing and their like their whole career almost works like that where it's like you know Sgt. Pepper's is like this attempt to to do this thing and then like the the White Album is like sort of a rejection of the thing they just did and then it's like the you know get back sessions let it be is like sort of a you know another rejection of the thing that they had done to like try to get back to something they were doing before. And it's like, so it, it, it sort of works in that way, but I just, I still just find it was sort of perplexing, like what they were, what they were really trying to accomplish. Cause it does feel like sort of different aims wrapped up in a, in a package that is meant to feel like one thing, but actually it might not be um, on the note that you guys were um, talking about though. We should say a few words about the remix, obviously, um, you know, Giles Martin, sort of wanted to modernize the the sound of this record he said and there's a quote you don't want your kids to listen to the beatles records and go god this sounds old you know it's interesting because the sergeant peppers remix i think everybody was kind of you know they were kind of on board where it was like well that didn't really get a proper stereo mix you know so let's let's do it now and it sounded amazing right then they did it with the white album which like had a stereo mix right but an original stereo mix but I think it was kind of kind of fun and 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 really brought those songs to to life in a new way. Abbey Road is kind of universally considered like a perfectly produced album, you know? It's like they're using 8-track recording for the first time and it's just it always even back in the day when we were listening to those shitty like 1987 CD <laughs> versions sounded so good, you know? So when they're doing Abbey Road, I'm I was kind of like hold up, you know, but what do you guys think about that idea like it's kind of contributing to making the Beatles eternal by like mixing and producing them as if they were a modern band. This, this album sounds like it could have been recorded this year. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's hard, it's hard to say. Cause like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, like I, I know this record so well that like when you change anything about it, it like sounds just wrong to me, you know, yeah. I um, had their reaction at first for sure. It, but, it, but I, I, I tried to like sort of ignore that and just, and just like pay attention to like the production itself. Um, and you know it does it does sound like very modern um which 
you know, I personally don't really want to listen to because I, I never thought the Abbey Road sounded bad. You know, it, it it's the stereo mix was always fine. You know, even like you said, like those uh, 88 like CDs were 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 this was the best one and everything. Um, but I can see where like, you know, a, a kid or something, you know, discovering it might have a little trouble, you know getting pat you know like with it not sounding weird, so modern right? you know the drums are like all on one yes. channel always yeah you and know, i could see and... that being like like sort of annoying so yeah hang up of something yeah so maybe it, it it makes sense um to do that with a band like the beatles but then again you know i really hate like sort of like messing with like people's um art uh, especially when like some of the people right, are right. are dead, you know, like if all four Beatles were alive and worked on this and all like approved it, I I wouldn't really have a problem. But I, I mean, you know, maybe John wouldn't like this mix. Maybe George wouldn't like you know this mix, right, especially right. especially when you're messing with like their songs. So I mean, part of me doesn't like it, but you know, part of me also you know prays every day for uh, good Prince remasters too. So you know, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> who knows. Yeah, so I came to like them, you know, and I, uh, there was a few things that really stood out to me, you know, the drums notably sounded fuller, like, I think about, like, that transition with, uh, Mean Mr. Mustard, um, it, like, the drums just sounded way better on this mix, you know, went back to the 2009 mix, and I, I felt like some of the stuff was just, like, muffled a bit, you know, which is kind of strange, because I thought in 2009, I don't understand why it didn't sound as good as it does now like it just seems strange that like something's <laughs> right, right a little bit muffled you you hear a little bit more hissing in the 2009 version i well, feel like i think the 2009 is just a remaster right it's not a remix or am right I wrong? right yeah, yeah. but the original but, mix you know when i think of like remixing the beatles i always go back to like let it be naked where it really like kind of changed the way you know that album and see, know, I like that, that that's like its own compilation yeah. thing that's like separate. Right. I, and I but really like that. But this is like going to be, I think, the dominant way that people from here on out listen to this album and experience yeah, this album. There's something a little troubling about that. But, you know, personally, I found myself reacting negatively at first. I felt like the bass was too loud. You mentioned, Darren, how like awesome the bass is and how it really shines on this mix. But I kind of felt like, you know, I, I felt like on sergeant peppers and on the white album the remixes i was like damn i didn't remember the beatles like rocking so hard you know because they really like bump the drums and they bump the bass and you know like on on old uh records you know vinyl you can't have too much bass right dan because it'll like slip the yeah needle out of the groove you know and mm-hmm. so they, they roll it off and stuff but here it's like boom this is a modern record it's yeah. a modern rock record and I thought it was kind of awesome those two albums, and on this one, I was instinctively like, I don't really think of Abbey Road as a rock album, you know? It's like this kind of lush, like, atmospheric kind of thing, and that took a little getting used to it, but then when I went back to the 2009, I I thought it did sound really flat and stale compared yeah. to, like, how wide open and, like, just lush this remix sounds. Um, presumably, next year, we will get a Let It Be remix which I think will be really interesting because there's got to be so much like outtake material for that. Oh, and seriously, yeah. I, I wonder if they'll package Let It Be Naked with that. That might be an interesting thing to do. Um, yeah. and what, how will they handle the, you know, oppressive strings and like effects on Across the Universe and stuff? Like, very curious to listen to that. Um, what are they going to do after that? <laughs> are they going to go back to like, Revolver? They skipped, like, you know, all the previous albums. Like, what do you hope they do? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if they like didn't do the previous ones because they were sort of waiting for Sergeant Pepper, which is like always sort of like, you know, the crowning jewel, you know, uh-huh. sort of thing. So like, you know, you don't want to like take the uh the the luster off by like doing all the the yeah. early albums that people aren't as, as big with. And I mean, even Revolver, you know, everybody loves, but it's still it's not Sergeant Pepper. So I think that's like why they started with those. But also it might just be like the technology limits. Um right. you know, like the the master recordings for the earlier records like aren't as like well uh maintained and 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 made and stuff like so i don't know how much like i you know i mean i i don't i don't know enough about it but i don't i don't know how much they can actually well, do let's, to let's like say they're available they you know? say they're available what do you <clears throat> what do you hope they do I mean, I, I honestly, all these like uh, big anniversary things, I've not been super impressed with, you know, like especially wow. the, the, the like um, bonus tracks and everything. Just I, I like hearing the, the studio chatter because like the Beatles yeah, are like sure. really yeah. funny, like yeah. in the way they interact with each other and and everything. But really, like the demos and everything just aren't wholly that interesting, you know, That's like maybe, maybe I'm just completely. I mean, for me, you know, the remixes are like. Are are they just make me hear a thing that I've heard millions of times, like in a new way? And yeah, I, but really uh, but honestly, it. you know, the White Album, Sergeant Pepper. If I if I listen to those records, you know, post remix, I still I still listen to the the mono Man, Sergeant. I always Peppers. go to the I always go to the, the remix. Are, are you on that boat, Darren? Yeah, I'm definitely going with the remix pretty much all the time. But I do, I do want to mention something about the demos and stuff. Like the Beatles, pretty much on like probably any other band i've ever listened to have i ever spent so much time going through the different outtakes and and whatever largely because you know the mythology the story i want to hear the studio chatter but i also just want to try to imagine you know what is going through their minds or how the songwriting Mm -hmm. process is being done you know what i mean like i just love you know when they stop in the middle of a take and you'll hear somebody say something whatever you know or or like here's a good one like on the demo take for uh the ballad of john and yoko it's just john with the acoustic and paul so there's no overdubs yet but at the very end right. paul or john he he vocalizes the da 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 like it, you know and it, it just kind of gives you a little bit of insight on like okay so this is how maybe mm-hmm. that came about he was just singing it and he, and then they turned it into what the final product is and that's just so cool to me obviously i love them as songwriters so it's i i, I will take as many demos as they're willing to give all right. Well, um, I think, you know, we've certainly spent a, a lot of time. I guess it was inevitable that we would uh, blab on and on about Abbey Road. But do you think we got a few extra minutes to get to these emails? Yeah, let's do it. All right. A reminder, you can email us, popshieldpod at gmail.com. Our first email is actually a YouTube comment on our episode on the Olivia Tremor Controls Black Foliage. Somebody named Callum Marble informed us that the four-second interlude track, The Sky is a Harpsichord Canvas, is actually a snippet from a full-length song that was discarded because of time constraints. Thanks for letting us know, Callum. I actually had no idea about this. Um, The full track is on YouTube. What did you guys think of it? Yeah, I had no idea about that either. you know, it was pretty interesting to to like hear um, it, it spread out. I can't remember if if we complained about it being so short. I'm sure I did, um, but it it was neat. Um, it it was like a weird kind of track. Uh, it's weird, yeah, yeah. Like with that uh, kind of like weird talking or something. You know, yeah, I I listened yeah. to it once. Um, but yeah, it it was it was interesting to hear. I, I'm I don't think they missed out by leaving it off. Of- yeah, I think it was a good a good cut. What about you, Darren? 
Yeah, I mean, it was fine. You know, I think it goes on for like what three minutes, maybe four minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if if anything, maybe the first two minutes is fine, but I, there's nothing there that I feel like, oh, this is a gem or this was a big miss or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I kind of felt that way, and you know, I, I do kind of like the the mystery of these little four second tracks. Why are they? Why are they there? You know, what the hell mm-hmm. was that supposed to mean? Um, but. But I do appreciate being made aware of it. Uh, really, really, really odd. Uh, we also got an email from Jack. He wants us to do an episode on Captain Beefheart's Trout Mask rep- replica, which I'm definitely on board with. He wants us to go like deep, you know, into I, I've never heard anybody really like go deep into like, why is this good? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, strangely enough, we've had this on our like little list of like things to get to, I think, since we started this podcast, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I absolutely love this record, um, so I, I'd be more than willing to talk about it. Have you listened to it much, Darren? I, you know, not recently, but I did, I did go through a period where I was, like, really into the record. Um, so, yeah, I'd be very, I'm very anxious to actually get back and, and listen to it and, and talk about it in detail. It's, it's, yeah, it's something we gotta, you know, we gotta devote, hopefully not another two-hour uh, podcast to, but uh, <laughs> it might end up being that way because... Um, it's the most bizarre thing, like how it, it just sounds <laughs> like a fucking mess when you first listen to it, you know, and then it like, yeah, is, has be, since become one of my favorite albums ever. Um, finally, we've got a Facebook comment from Donnie who says, you guys need to talk about this new Nick Cave record. I'm not sure if we'll be able to do a whole episode on it, though I would definitely like to. In the meantime, um, <clears throat> have you guys been listening to this? What do you think about it? Yeah, I'm absolutely loving this record. I'm, I'm a big Nick Cave fan, and I, I was really looking forward to this. And it is just like blown away my expectations. Uh, I'm, I, I absolutely love it. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into a a, a ten out of ten for me. Uh, you know, it's a little early to call, but it, it's just great. That that closing track, Hollywood, yeah. is so good. Have you listened to it at all, Darren? I've gave it. I gave it one spin. Um, I like Nick Cave. And, you know, I, I don't think I've listened to it nearly enough to be able to say too much about it. But, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in listening to it more for sure. Yeah, I, I'm like really in love with it at this point. It was something that I started listening to at first and I was like kind of deflated. Like, oh, my God, it's a whole album of like him kind of half singing, <laughs> half talking over like really ambient stuff. And then, um, you know, it it just has like become it's just started to like blow me away. It's just really started to like work its way into my brain where I think that like the songs are actually they're like written songs. They're like really mm-hmm. songy, you know, if you listen enough, it's just like um, you know, it, the only hang up is like, is this something that I that I can just throw on, you know, or so far it's felt like it's gotta be something that I'm like in the mood and I'm gonna go start to finish all the way through. Um but it really rewards that because the ending like the last track is so chilling and that like last, you know, uh, falsetto kind of yeah. bit where mm-hmm. he's like talking about, you know, it's like, this sounds like some sort of like Buddhist Kisa, uh, yeah. yeah, myth or something about, you know, dealing with loss and like, just, you know, knowing the stuff about his son. I mean, it's just like, you know, your, your jaw is just on the floor when you, uh, when you finish it. All right. Well, I think we've gone uh, quite a bit uh, long, so that <laughs> yeah. that's enough for, for this week. Uh, what do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on the air. You can email us anything you want, popshieldpod at gmail.com. Uh, we'll have our next episode in two weeks. Not entirely sure yet what it'll be, uh, but if you like the show, help us out, subscribe, leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that. Pop Shield Pod, and we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long. So long.